0: This is your host, Tia. This is your host, Tia. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Top Ten. Why? Eek Equ- if- ess-
1: Vibe Nation. Nation. station.
0: The Top Ten. The Top Ten. The Top Ten. Hello, hello,
1: hello
2: everyone, and welcome back to another
0: episode awesome, awesome episode of the Top 10 by Deep Vibes Nation. As always, I'm your host, Tia and I have with me this morning the very
1: uh, marvelous Brittany Hegel. How are you doing this morning, Brittany? <laughs> I'm great. I just imagine you sitting there going, okay, say something nice about her. Say something nice about her. Uh, uh, marvelous. She's marvelous. I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm just teasing you, though. I'm doing doing fairly good this morning. I just wasn't so sleepy and didn't hear uh, the cat, the neighbor's cats meowing outside the window
0: 24-7. <laughs> I mean, it. you have cats in the house, so it's like either way you're going to hear cats meow. That's the same thing with our apartment. It's just randomly
1: you just hear a bunch of meow, meow. It's like, oh, God, what? what What? <laughs> oh, makes me think of like when i visited you and you would just yell what do you want and they're you know, just still staring at you like you're the crazy person
0: i'm still waiting for the day where i'm like talking to lady my dog and she suddenly just like talks back it's gonna happen one day and it's gonna freak you the fuck out
1: <laughs> Honestly, if she's sassy enough she would do that she would pull like uh a meow from Pokemon and learn how to speak just so she could mess with you.
0: Most likely, I don't doubt it. Or to tell me that she's hungry because she's always hungry. But uh, yes. <laughs> now that we've kind of gotten our an- not wow well, annual our weekly discussion about our pets, we need to discuss <laughs> what the top ten is. <laughs> and um. I thought this was going to be fun. I like doing our more focused podcast, like when we're talking about either a movie or TV show. And since Narcos Mexico comes back in two weeks, I thought it would be nice to do the top 10 moments from Netflix's Narcos. Now, that includes both the first three seasons of the original Narcos, as well as the first season of Narcos Mexico. Um, before we get into our list, Brittany, what is your general thoughts around the show Narcos? Because I have to tell you that it is like frustrating me that I don't see that there are as many fans as there should be of this show on Twitter. So, because we're fans, we should just gush about it. So, what are your like general thoughts about this Netflix
1: series? I was gonna say when it first got brought up. I thought I wouldn't be interested in it, and I know it seems silly, but I was like, I was like, man, I was like, I don't really have interest in Colombia. I was like, I've heard about Pablo Escobar. I was like, uh, you know, I, I I wasn't sure at first. You know what I mean? I was mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, what could they do? You know, like, wh- how could they make an interesting a whole series about this? And boy, was I wrong when. Uh, we watched episode one. I think we actually watched Summer Narcos together. And it was some of The first time I was like, holy shit, let's watch the next episode. I was like DJ Kylie, And I was like, in another one. But, <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> but it, it it's addictive. Like watching them. You like the characters enough. And yes, it's stressful. There's sad things happening. But it the, it's just more interesting than like a constant state of sadness. It's kind of badass, like a badass game of cat and mouse between Pablo and the DEA. So for those
0: who may not know, which you should definitely watch this show, but the original narco centers around Pablo Escobar, and I feel like probably everyone has heard about Pablo Escobar, who was a very huge uh, narcos trafficker back in the day. But um, it's one of those things, right, really quick, that us who, say, are in America may not know him as well as those who are in the South American countries. And um, I remember uh, recently speaking with our CFO, um, at the company that I work for, and he is originally from Colombia. We were talking about narcos, and he was saying how, you know, obviously being from Colombia, he's grown up learning about Pablo his whole life, and he's sick of it, right? Sick of like all of the glamorization of this person who pretty much put this country through hell. So one day yeah. his wife tells him, so one day his wife tells him, honey, you have to watch this show, Narcos. And he's like, oh, so tired of hearing about Pablo Escobar. But she's like, you gotta watch it, and he watches it, and he's like, Tia, it is the most accurate uh, depiction of what happened. It doesn't try and glamorize Pablo I'm Escobar. Sure. It goes, yeah, it goes into the horrors that he bestowed upon this country, and I think that's because at least the first two seasons, right, center not only around Pablo Escobar but the two DE agents responsible for taking him down. Uh, Steve Murphy and Javier Pena, and the real Murphy and Pena are still alive, and they provided a lot of information for the show. So I think that's how they kind of were able to be so accurate. Um, and then yep. we have the third, then we have the third season, which concentrates on the other huge cartel, the Collie cartel, and then Narcos Mexico, which moves into the what is it's called the first. Drug cartel, the Guadalajara cartel, Um, and that stars Diego Luna and Michael Pena. Um, And yeah, so I know that I'm like rambling on and on, but I'm just trying to give a little background here. I really enjoyed it, Um, especially the first two seasons of Narcos. uh, Wagner Mora played a, like, did an amazing job as Pablo Escobar, which is funny because what I've read is that, so. Wagner Mora is not Colombian, he's Brazilian, and, you know, in Brazil they speak Portuguese, so he didn't even know Spanish, but he took classes to learn Spanish, and especially to learn Spanish as a native Spanish speaker would, you know, talk, so I just thought that was really interesting.
1: They just did a lot of research for it, and that's I, what I love with some actors is when they really aren't like... Uh, they're not like that kid in school where they're like, oh, you have an essay due tomorrow, and they're like, well, I better bullcrap it. he's like the kid that, like, already asked the teacher, like, a year before it was due, like, what's this thing going to be about? Okay, I'm doing my research. Exactly.
0: So, I really appreciated that. I loved um, Pedro Castell as Javier Pena, Boyd Holbrook as um, Steve Murphy, and, Actually, I, before we hop into the list, yesterday I did a rewatch of the first season of Narcos Mexico, which I realized I missed so much the first time I watched it. Um, and I really liked Diego Luna as Felix Daerda and all the other characters in the show. And I look back on it, and I'm, like, so sad what happened to Michael Peña's character, Kiki, But we knew what was going to happen to him based on the first episode of the original Narcos, where they say like, you know, this DEA agent Kiki, who was killed and that's the reason why Narcos don't go after DEA agents anymore, because of the response by the American government. But it's like, Michael Pena is so freaking likable that you're like, I don't want anything bad happening to Michael Pena. You know who Michael Pena is. He's the guy who plays the least in uh the Ant Man movies, you know, the guy who likes talks about I the love stories him. and everything. <laughs> oh.
1: yeah, it is very depressing. I was watching a a scene, uh that scene you asked me to watch where and right afterwards he's like cooking for his family and I'm like, No, stop it
0: <laughs> I know, I know, but um yeah, so the whole series is amazing. Uh, Narcos Mexico is pretty much like the sister series. It was originally supposed to be the fourth season of Narcos, but they decided to pretty much make a separate show. But it it is all connected. Cause it, and we'll get through this, but in Narcos Mexico, they do have several characters from the original Narcos pop up. Uh, And the same thing, like, in the third season of Narcos, uh, one of the characters from Narcos Mexico pops up. So they are interconnected, and I love these frickin' seasons. So let's just hop right into it. Um, Brittany, what do you got for our number
1: 10 for our top 10 list? I know this one's silly, and you may laugh, but the dead cat scene, because it made me so sad. But let me me, uh, explain it. The remember when it's like season one, uh, Murphy has first really come to Columbia. He has his cat. Uh, they they ha they hassle him over having the cat. I think then they want to quarantine it or didn't want to give it to him, but they were basically giving him shit uh, with border patrol, not border patrol, but like their version of TSA. Um, and well you come to find out the cat gets, like, strangled or ki- killed, Murphy and his wife's cat. And he didn't even particularly care for this cat, but it's their cat. And Murphy tells to Pena, he's like, you know, we found our cat hung up. And Pena is, like, almost gleeful about it because he's like, well, as far as I'm concerned, that cat was the TEA agent. And just, like, at first I'm so sad about it because I'm like, the cat did nothing. But it's almost like a warning because it's like, oh, we didn't touch the agent, but look how, oh, we could touch you. But it was just, I think, what really made it for me was Kenya's glee over it. Over, like, yeah, this means where you can fucking hit them so hard. Because it's like the DEA uh, is very, very uh aware of their, like, immunity status in Columbia. And they really took advantage of it to the point where, you know what? Their cat's an agent. We're hitting them hard. And it's like, well, shit, okay. I don't know why. It was just such a full scene, but it set up for, like, how many loopholes they would take to get what they needed.
0: I um, completely agree. Like... (laughs) Javier Peng is like, I'm more of a dog fan myself, but no cat deserves this. And it's just like, and he does kind of give, like, a look, right? He's like, this cat is a DEA agent. And he, like, gives the, like, picture a look and before looking back at Murphy. And I do love the exchange because I don't know if you remember, Murphy says something and he calls the cat Puff. And this is freaking Peng is like, Puff? And Murphy's like, I didn't name it, dude. And I remember um, that reminds me of, like, kind of the scene after that because uh, Murphy's trying to beg his wife not to go back to work at this uh, comuna, which is, I think, why they say that the Narcos are even aware of, like, where they live was because she was, like, volunteering there. Um, and obviously the wife is like, no, I'm going to continue with my work while I'm down here. And Murphy's like, you know, they killed your cat, and she's like, our cat,
1: <laughs> like our and if that's cat.
0: You, oh. <laughs> and that just goes to show you like how much like Murphy really didn't care about the fucking cat. It was all about just the fact that the narcos were able to get into his house.
1: Uh, like, uh, and and that is the terrifying part. Is it's like i it, I guess that's what's sad about it. is its meant to come off as such a serious thing like because i you're right, I think it's like one of the men that works there that like finds out like and it went to show like how much you can't trust anyone, or was it a woman? I can't remember which one it was. I think it was actually a woman that like found out where she lived, and it's like how easy it was for them to find them, and it led into it it's like yeah it may have just been a cat, which, you know, we both own cats, so it's not just the cat, but it was just like, it it was the catalyst for what was going to happen, I guess, Uh, especially when they had just gotten there, which I felt bad. I was like, this cat has gotten into so much trouble. When they were coming over, they had issues, and now the cat's dead, and it was like, well, puss death won't be in vain.
0: Well, you know, I was re-watching the scene, uh, either yesterday or this morning, but um, Paulie pointed out that as Murphy and his wife are walking back into their house, you see the narco Poison walk out, and obviously he's the one who killed Puff, but it's terrifying because when you watch this, the series, Poison was one of Escobar's, like, most prolific killers. Like, he took glee. He talked about, like, how many people he killed. He kept a tally. And then even he told, like, one of the narcos who was, like, always with him, like, if Pablo tells me to kill you, I will without hesitation. So the fact that, like, they were that close to someone like Poison is
1: absolutely terrifying that's the thing they they romanticize it a bit but it's also like that's terrifying it's terrifying to think about you know it's with every kind of like drug organization but um okay like quick projection when i worked at five there was a guy i worked with and he couldn't stand the smell of spray paint and i asked him why because he had to walk away and he said, and he was like, you know, I've gotten out of prison. He goes, but he used to be, like, he was born in Mexico City, I think, and he was bad into the cartel. He said that, you know, he can't go back home. They'll kill him. And the reason he gets all the spray paint is because it's not like cocaine to him. But for, he said what's interesting about with the cartel, and, you know, it kind of leads back into it, He's, like, he goes, I get with, like, the Italian mafia, he goes, and you have all the other drug organizations, he goes, but the thing is that they have such a loyalty to, like, the top dog, like, their their big guy, more than anything, that what they say goes, like, there's such an authority there. And I think that's what's terrifying about the cartel and about the, uh, I can't forget the name, I have trouble pronouncing it, but the cartel in Colombia. It just—it's uh, terrifying that that somebody can go. Oh, I'll do whatever they say. Why will you do whatever they say? Well, because it's Pablo. But what? You know, it's kind of like why? Why do you have such a loyalty to murder someone just because someone else said so? And I think that kind of loyalty is terrifying with them.
0: Well, first of all, I have to say that anyone who's listening. Britney is totally part of uh, the Narcos, so, you know, watch out for this one. But, um... Whatever. <laughs> no, I mean, that was, like, a terrifying quote from, like, the real Escobar, and I'm, like, ad living here, obviously, but it was something along the lines of him saying that sometimes he feels like God. If he says that a man dies, he dies that day. And that's terrifying, because that's literally, like, what they depict in the show. Like, Pablo says, like, kill that person, and they're dead, right? So, yeah. Pablo Escobar, scary motherfucker. But um, I think that the whole cat scene is the perfect way to start off this list. I'm going to do, I guess, I don't want to call it a lighthearted scene, because it wasn't a lighthearted scene, but (laughs) it's, but it's actually a scene that we were just talking about because I loved it so much, and it's from Narcos, Mexico. And it is the scene between Amado and Rafa. So just to kind of, like, set the, uh, ba- set the background for those, in, the sh- in Narcos, Mexico, this guy Rafa, who uh, works very closely with Felix Gallerda, In fact, Rafa is the person who grew um, the weed that they started their business on. Um, And Rafa meets this girl, and he's, like, totally infatuated with her, and it's a really, like, crazy fucking relationship because this girl is, like, the daughter of some high-ranking official and obviously would never approve of his daughter being in a relationship with a drug trafficker. And – at some this is how crazy they are like the girl too is insane um and, and this isn't the scene but again i'm just like like preparing the backdrop rafa literally stages a quote-unquote kidnapping of the girl but she was in on it so like it's during christ it's during christmas time and her parents are having like you know this big celebration Rafa and a few of his men come in with guns, literally take her, and they think, like, oh, my God, my daughter, blah, 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 but they get into the car, and instantly the daughter's like, ah, you know, blah, 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 and, like, they start making out and shit, you know, because it was all planned, so. <laughs> so, Felix, who, um, is trying to keep everything in the balance, like, realizes, like, how bad it will be for him if the girl isn't returned, and so pretty much, like, forces Rafa, like, hey, like, these people want your blood. You're going to return the girl, and you're going to go into hiding. So, you know, X amount of period of time goes by that Rafa doesn't see this girl, and blah, 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 So then the next time he sees her is at a club. And in his mind, it's like, oh, that's my girl. But I guess because it was, like, these girls also crazy or whatever, you know. She's whatever difficult. the reason. Yeah. He goes to, like, kiss her in the middle of the club and she kind of, like, pulls away, like, you know, what the fuck? And in that moment, Amado, who is also a part of Felix's operation, he flies the plane that gets all of the drugs, like, to and from. He interjects and he's literally like, hey, baby, this guy bothering you? And then Amado's like, oh, Rafa, how are you doing? And Rafa's obviously pissed because he's like, what are you doing here with her? He pretty much, like, scares her off, or not scares her, pisses her off, and so she runs away, and Amato's like, you dick, I was going to take her home with me, and and Rafa's like, what? She's mine, and Amato literally goes, oh, still? He's like, if I had I know.
2: known, I'd... <laughs> oh. and
0: he's like, that, he, that person, like, oh, he's apologetic, and he's like, no, if I knew, I'd only fuck her harder, and I'm like, oh, shit, and in that moment, I really thought Rafa was going to kill Amado, which I was like, that's going to cause even more problems. Because, again, Amado not only is the guy who flies the planes to and from, but he's also the nephew of Don Neto, who is, like, a big part of the cartel as well. And, like, pretty much, like, right next to Felix. So that would have caused, like, so many problems. But uh, in the end, Chapo pretty much, uh, yes, the El Chapo. Uh, convinces Rafa to just walk away. So I know that was a long, long, like story of that. But that is my number nine. Is the confrontation between Amado and Rafa? So Brittany, I know that you saw that scene. So what are your thoughts?
1: <laughs> when you were like, uh, Brittany, watch this scene. I was like, okay, you know, because when you described it, I was like, it almost sounded more lighthearted, which. At first, I was like, oh, it is. But I'm hearing the actual background to that scene of, like, they've been together. Like, because he's like, you look amazing. You look like shit. I was like, oh, oh, okay. Like, between the uh, Felix and, uh, no, Rafa, sorry, Rafa and the girl. But Amato, when he walks up, I was like, this dude, by the way, has the biggest nose and I'm all about <laughs> it. There is something about that schnoz that I was he like, gives, holy really quick he gives
0: Adrian Brody a run for his money. <laughs>
1: yes, he looks like Adrian Brody and Snape had a child together. Like a love <laughs> child. But uh, rather like, he got so dangerous and like when they're staring each other down, and Rafa just starts laughing. I was like, "Oh, you know, maybe things are fine." Which, having if I had seen the background beforehand for that scene, I'd be like, "Oh shit, things aren't fine. Things aren't fine. Things are not fine." Uh, and then to watch him go upstairs and then grab the gun. At first, it was like, even though I knew he hadn't died, for I I thought for sure he was gonna get killed that moment. At least shot. At least shot. But them staring each other down. But what I liked about that scene is uh to go back to the guy I knew in the cartel, he was like he was like it's gonna sound bad, he's like you can't be a bitch is what he would always say. And I was like, What does that mean? He's like, Oh, well you can't be like showing fear and that's what made me think of a motto, like even though he looks like he's about to die it would have looked bad on him to, like, cower down or, like, run away. And them just staring down each other, each other down, like, almost like this dominant scene was very telling. Like, Amato not, even though he was staring down the barrel of a gun.
0: Well, yeah, and um, as you said, like, Amato was standing up straight. Like, all right, like, if we're going to do this, let's do this. But just to give you, like, like, two seconds of background about Rafa, like, when he, he quote-unquote kidnaps his girl, they pretty much have this, like, you know, fuck fest in his house, right? And she's crazy because they're literally, like, running around with live guns, like, calling themselves Bonnie and Clyde. And I said to Paul yesterday, I'm like, any couple who, like, you know, thinks that they're Bonnie and Clyde are fucking crazy because we all know what happened to the real Bonnie and Clyde. Um, yeah, and, and they were, like, the- evil. And they're literally making out and the girl's like pointing the gun under Rafa's chin and he's just like all into it. So they're crazy. And Rafa, oh, goes, is. And Rafa goes so insane in this like Coke binge that at some point, and this is a real life thing. Like if you look it up, um, Rafa is at a restaurant of one of his like cartel members. And there's these two like American guys there and they're, They were there because they were real American journalists who were just researching like Mexico for their book. But because Rafa is so paranoid at this point and he sees the Americans writing stuff down, again, they're just writing stuff down for their book, but he thinks they're DEA agents. And him and these two cartel members literally tortured these two dudes and stabbed them to death in the middle of this restaurant. Oh, my. And that's In the middle of the restaurant? Well, the restaurant was closed, and it was owned by one of the cartel members, to be fair, but that's a real thing. Like, if you look it up, like, that guy was a real American journalist who was tortured and killed by Rafa, because Rafa was so paranoid that these guys were actual DEA agents. Jesus. That's terrifying. Yeah. It was, but for the sake of time, let's move on. That's my number nine. Uh, Brittany, what is your number eight?
1: I feel like I'm getting kind of some of these small scenes out of the way. They're just really telling um, the scene where it was in season one when you're starting to realize just how rich Pablo is where he's trying to hide all the money that he has to the point where he makes a freaking couch out of money, and he's just giving it away. Uh, I think, does he, does he burn any? I'm trying to think if he burns or like he's he like, got, giving he it buries away. Them. What'd you say? He
0: buries some. Like, literally yeah. buries them
1: in the house. So he buries it, he's hiding it all throughout the house, the furniture's made of money, uh, they're,
0: giving it away and it was just for me
1: I know it may seem like such a small thing but I was like oh my god he has so much money and especially for a country that you know a part of like him want, he wanted to yeah because I believe Colombia was a poor country at this point and wanting, like, that's why he gave the point of like oh we'll help the poor uh, we'll build stuff you know I'm going to be president so I can help you guys but it was it, you realize even for a poor country, he had more money than any of us over here. Like, he had, like, like just piles of it. And I also got thinking, wouldn't a couch made of money not feel very good? And then I sat uh-huh. there and went, no, Theo would be like, I would smell this couch. I would never leave this couch. This is the most comfortable couch in existence. But um, I don't know why, just such a small scene. But just getting to see just how much money Pablo had. And this wasn't even at, like, his peak. This was just the beginning. And to know that it's just going to triple between here and there is just terrifying in a way.
0: Yeah, I mean, Pablo had so much money that he was literally giving it away at some point. And this is why even to this day, there's such a, um, like some people still kind of like regard him in a positive light because he was literally opening up hospitals, opening up schools, but we all know that it was all just like a cover-up for what he was really doing because when you have that much money, it causes like the negative attention because there's at some point where Gustavo even tells him like you're spending way too much and if you do that's going to like just put us in Forbes magazine and that's just not going to be good for us because people are going to wonder how the fuck is this guy who apparently owns a taxi company um, making this much money.
1: Yeah, I forgot that he owned a taxi company. Yeah, that's definitely not gonna be um, a way to describe how you just came into millions and millions of dollars. Well, to like put it in
0: perspective of how much money Pablo had at some point when remember when Pablo and some of his fellow cartel members go to Panama in hiding. He literally offers to he literally offers to pay off Colombia's national debt to come back. And it's like you have that much money that you can pay off a country's debt. Jesus
1: Christ. I, I, did they did they accept it? Because for the no. viewers, I watched a bit of Narcos, but I I watched uh, I watched more of season three than anything for a very important reason that I'm saving. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, man, that would have been tempting. You know what I mean? Imagine if there was yeah. a guy who you didn't know if you could fully keep him away, but he said, "I'll pay off the American debt." I'd be like, "Ooh, it's a little ah." <laughs> Little I'm, t- Little I'm gonna tell. I'm
0: gonna tell. I'm gonna tell you right now, and this may get me some shit, but America would do it.
1: <laughs> like America uh, you would know, do it. You're probably right. Or they would. No, <laughs> what they would do is they would seize their assets for what they did, and then use that money towards that or military spending. One or the other.
0: No, they would they would accept the payoff and then arrest the person
1: anyway. Right. <laughs> the American way. It for something else, they would be like, yeah. "Oh yeah, thank you. You know, uh, thank you for doing this. Now you're going to jail. Wait, but what? But we let you out of this one charge. Now you have yeah. like ten other ones to deal with. <laughs> I'm telling you, like."
0: It would happen and I don't care what to think about it, it it would. It would happen. One hundred percent. But yeah. I love the whole montage of Pablo trying to hide his wealth because um we see later on down the line that his whole plan to bury money actually didn't really help him out because then the money went quote unquote bad, which I didn't know that money could go bad like that, but I guess it is I guess we molded. molded. Yeah, it molds it up, so, you know, but, yeah, that, like, he was so wealthy. Like, it it does make you jealous a little. You're like, mother effer, I'm a little Uh,
1: jealous. (laughs) By the way, if you hear any kind of noise, just know my cat's an idiot. I love him, but he's, like, we have hardwood floors, and he is peeling out. He is running so fast that he is running in place for, like, five seconds before he's actually moving, and I'm probably gonna murder him one day. Well,
0: I do not hear anything, but it is good to let the audience know. Um,
1: <laughs> um, I'm going to take.
0: I'm going to take the next one. I guess mine is like kind of a small one too, but I don't know why I like love this scene so much. Um, I don't know if you remember it, but it is the scene where Steve. Huh. Is anything? Oh, okay. It's the scene where uh, Steve, you know, Agent Murphy, is in traffic with his wife and his daughter. They're talking about, like, what they're going to name their daughter, right? And Steve isn't really paying attention, so he end- his car ends up tapping this guy in front of him. And so he gets out, and he's trying to, like, calm the guy down. but of course, the guy is very, like, fired up, and he's like, fuck you, you know, blah, 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 you stupid, you know, American, you don't even speak Spanish, you know, blah, blah, blah. you know. And at this point, like, Steve is just 100% done with everything. He's become a little hardened at this point. And he literally, like, takes his gun out and shoots the guy's tires because he's just like, oh, we good now? we good and then he comes back into the car and his wife is obviously looking at him in horror and he just turns to her and he goes I think Olivia is a great name for our daughter and then just fucking takes off and I'm just like oh my god God. God. (laughs) yeah I remember that scene yeah I don't know why I love this so much I think because you know we like how Steve obviously was like new to the way things were done he's obviously a guest in this country and he kind of like has a little bit more of an inversion of you know doing things a little rougher like say uh, Colonel Curio does but I think at some point he just like kind of like loses his shit and we see that not only in this scene and I don't know if this is going to be on your list or on my list but really quick when he, like, beats the shit out of the one guy in the airport bathroom because the guy's sniffing Coke, and he's just like, like, at some point, Steve just breaks, and he's just like, I'm done being a nice guy. So, but my scene is him shooting this guy's, like, tires. So um, what do you think about this?
1: (laughs) I think what it goes to show is that I think before this, wasn't Murphy just dealing with, say, uh, some people doing pot by the beach? and doing those kind of stings, where it was a little more lighthearted. It wasn't, like, as serious as what he was doing in Colombia. So to watch him, he's like, and you can tell he's, like, a nice guy. Like, even Pena, I think at first, is kind of like, oh, yeah, this fucking guy over here, you know, he doesn't know what he's about to get into. You know, it is a whole different world. And it's like he does kind of, he hardens up, and, yes, he does what he needs to, but you can tell what, like, mental aspect he's having on him to be able to do that. And it's, like, I think it was telling for even his wife, uh, you know, because she lives with him and came with him. But to just see what she was, like, what he's up to, where it would make him snap like that, even in, like, you say, like, in a civilian lifestyle, it's kind of like, oh, shit. <laughs> I, I would yeah. uh, that You got to think. My day would be bad if uh if somebody rear ended me or like hit me and then uh we got into an altercation and then they shut out my tires and then drove off. I would be a little bit upsetty spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I would too, right?
0: But it's just kinda like how Steve reacts in that moment and you're right, um, prior to going to Columbia, he was just dealing with, like, pot dealers, and he said, like, his, the people he was chasing went from, you know, hippies in flip-flops to, like, dangerous people shooting Uzis and shit, and that's um, that's why Steve even went to Columbia in the first place, is because his partner got killed during, like, a sting, so I think that from what... and really quick, like, when he first gets to Columbia, like, you see Peña and Carrillo are kind of, like, you know, tiptoeing around him. They're not, like, bringing him on every mission, and Steve is just kind of, like, stop babying me. Like, I'm down here. I'm in it all the way, but then I think he sees things that he's just not prepared to see, and that just kind of, like, fucks him up a little bit more than maybe, like, Pena, because even though Pena is, like, involved, I think he's, like, a realist when it comes to what's going on, so it doesn't affect yeah. him as much as it affects Murphy.
1: Well, what was that scene where um, Pena goes, oh, you know, you lost your partner, we know, but this guy has lost, like, every partner. What was oh, that? Oh, yeah, that, that was a scene
0: with Carrillo, because, you know, Murphy's, like, all, you know, like, uh, at this point he's kind of new in it and he's like all gun ho and Peña's like, I get that you're out here and you're like wanting to get the Narcos because you lost a partner, but Colonel Carrillo lost like 12 or something like that. Like, he's lost like so much more so if you think that Carrillo's methods are a little like tough, then just like, look at how you are behaving after losing one partner. How would you feel after losing twelve?
1: Oh, that's an intense team, but I like it a lot. me too it's also because I love Colonel Studio,
0: but anyway, um, let's move on, Brittany. What is your number six?
1: I'm like looking at it uh um, always hard. I think mm-hmm. I'm going to do um. Choose, okay. To, it's so hard because I have two scenes that I like equally, that I was trying to decide which one I wanted to go ahead and do. But I think I'm gonna do uh, Chepe at the salon. Oh, it's, I was uh, waiting for you. Yes, <laughs> that's why I have two with Chepe, and I was trying to see which one <laughs> I wanted to do. But I for uh, so as we know, Chepe is in I think in New York, isn't he? And he's running the American operations, which is funny because he doesn't speak English. I think I read he never learns any English. And I think I remember asking you, I said, how could you live in America and just never pick up the language? And like you said, you said, you know, there's so many, like, you have Little Italy, you have Chinatown. You have basically all these subdivisions of where you can speak only your language and be able to make a living and never have to learn English. And that I think that's part of the reason he loved New York so much was because he was able to do that. But so he's running the American operations. Well, I can't remember what was a. It was the Dominican Republic. They were Dominicans, weren't they? That I think. Right. Were, uh, yes. And he's he's handling operations. I think what it was is that they were moving in on their territory and dealing mm-hmm. uh, around that area or in New York. And the Dominicans were kind of moving in on that territory, and Chepe has to handle it. Well, that ends up it's with uh, Chepe. He comes into the salon, because I think that's where they're running it out, and she's he's getting a relaxing treatment, uh, like getting his hair relaxed, you know, like getting it from curly to straight. Well, you know, the lady's just like oh, you're Colombian, and he's like, oh, yes, and, and like, the guy behind them is, like, Colombian, and then they start to, like, the women, the hairdressers are, like, starting to catch on, and there's a guy waiting to get his hair done, and she's like, oh, let me guess you're Colombian, too, and just to see, like, the guys in the back come out, because, you, you know, you're realizing, yes, this is an area where, you know, they're running this operation out of, And it's just such a good scene because, by the way, Fluffy, Gabriel Iglesias, is, like, one of the guys. And I was like, wait, is that Fluffy? That's not Fluffy. And I was like, "Yep, that's Fluffy. But, um, you know, Chepe doesn't end up killing everyone. Uh, The really sad part of it is, though, is that one of the hairdressers is, like, left alive and she's just cowering. And Chepe kills her. And I was like, oh, Oh, he's a bad dude. He is a bad dude. But my only side note before I hand it off to you is, you know, it's like I have my cosmetology license, and the one stuff thing I never wanted to touch was relaxing treatments. You want to know why? You can only leave it on your hair for, like, five seconds. Like, literally, as soon as you put it on and finish the hair, you need to wash it out immediately. If you don't work quick enough, you're screwed. You're going to ruin this person's whole head of hair. So when he gets a relaxing treatment and he's like, has it on this entire time and he's looking at himself (laughs) in the mirror, I was like, he should be bald in this next scene. Like no joke. Like I remember watching a, like a demo of getting your hair relaxed, like uh, in person. And it literally took like five minutes to do this lady's entire hair. And then she was like, she was like, this is even too slow. We need to go to the sink now. And I was like, and you had to use, like, all this neutralizing shampoo because you had to bring down, like, yeah, like, even up the pH level of the hair because it's, like, so acidic, I think. And so I don't know why that stood out to me. I was like, Can't they wash your hair. Go to any, like, YouTube video of this scene and look at the comments. Everybody's going to be talking about the relaxing treatment, not the freaking, oh, yeah, they murdered a lady and, like, murdered all these people. <laughs>
0: I, I love that. That's what you were um, focusing on because I, I felt like you, your cosmetology license was coming into place because fricking um, in the middle of you describing this scene, you're like, hey, he was getting his hair done. No, he was getting a relaxer, and I was just like, of course he has to mention that. But yeah, uh, yeah, this scene was crazy because I love the way it's set up as you said, like, they're in New York, and apparently the Dominicans are kind of moving in on, because I think it was that they were, like, buying out everything from their supplier, like, where Chepe was doing, and I think the whole thing was like that, Um, so Chepe's there, and he's, like, getting it done, and, like, the girls are kind of, like, laughing, like, oh, you know, uh, your accent. Where are you from? And he's like Colombian. They're like, oh, that's so funny. This guy behind you is from Colombia. And then they're like, wait, that guy who's waiting to get his hair done is from Colombia. And I feel like they obviously had to have known that they were like, like, uh, infringing on the Colombian turf. So then it's like, okay, why are three guys from Colombia in a Dominican
1: hair salon?
0: And, and I think
1: remember. Two, really, really quick, not to cut you off. It's that these Dominicans were young. I think it was that because yeah. I think Chepe himself says that. Oh, you know, basically, it's a bunch of young people wanting to make their steak And I think for Chepe, it was like Big Daddy coming in and like basically slapping their wrist really hard because it's like these were basically just kids compared to him. Because, you know, by this time, it's been in the thick of the cartel. Chepe's probably grown up in it. And you have these n- new players in the game. And just to see Chepe, like, this is how things are done. This isn't gangbanging. This is I'm going to come to your house and murder you type shit.
0: Well, um, like, Chepe has this uh, quote that's something along the lines of, sometimes, as an adult, you learn that there are some things that, you don't like that you have to accept. And I feel like that line was very poignant, because not only is he telling it to them, because now they're in this situation that they don't want to be in, but I think he's also kind of reflecting on the fact that you know, as you said, he's been in the cartel for most of his life, most likely. He is a partner for Colombia's second largest uh, cartel, now at this point the largest since Escobar is out of the picture. And now two of his partners have pretty much said that we're disbanding the cartel in six months. In six months we're no longer gonna be in the cocaine industry. We're no longer going to be making all these millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars, you know, and it's like that's all he knows, that's his livelihood. Yeah. And um, in a way also They say to him, oh, you'll finally be able to come back to Columbia, but you can tell that Chepe likes being in New York, but it's like, you know, this is what his brothers, quote-unquote, even though, like, not biological brothers, but this is what his brothers are telling him to do, and it's like, he doesn't like it, but he's going to do it because sometimes, as an adult, you
1: have to do things that you don't like. What gets me about Chepe is that he seems so fun-loving. Like, you see him. He kisses, uh, was it Pacho? I think that he ki- he kisses his head. Like, they're very, like, a brotherhood, and it must be hard. And even his wife is like, I don't want to go back to Colombia. <laughs> I want to be in America. Like, it's just, like, I just laugh because her voice gets really whiny in that scene. And he's, like, <laughs> basically like, a no baby. But shut
0: up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, Chepe definitely has, like, more of, like, a playful mentality. Um, we'll probably get into this a little later, but, um, you know, when Felix Gallerda in North Mexico goes down to Colombia and meets with the Cali cartel, uh, Chepe is a little playful. Like, he's smirking, and he's like, he's like, uh, you know, you're trying to get into his business, but meat is one thing, cocaine is another, isn't it? And then he like tells one of the brothers, uh, Miguel. He's like, "All right, make the deal already. I want to take uh, Isabella, who's the woman who's like making the connection between Felix and the Colombians. He's like, "Come uh-huh. on, oh, I want to take her. I want to take her dancing. You know." So Chape does have a little bit of a uh, I guess a fun nature to him but not for those poor Dominican ladies he doesn't
1: because he uh, you know what gets me too is like sometimes I feel so naive on shit because I was like he wants to take her dancing but doesn't he have a wife at, by this point I just thought and about <laughs> that I just thought about that and <laughs> I guess does he a wife you
0: know what um We've obviously seen in Narcos that they all have girlfriends, pretty much. Like, it's not right, but um, that's a scene even, remember? Like, uh, Pena asks Murphy at some point, like, oh, you know, your encounters. And Murphy's like, I'm married. And Pena gives them this look as this like, like, as if Murphy said the most batshit craziest thing he's ever heard. Like, Murphy's there being a good man, going, like, I'm married. No, I don't have any encounters. And Payne is looking at him as if he's, like, the only man in all of, like, Colombia who's like
1: that. <laughs> I, well, I think what gets me is, but on one hand, I'm not saying this makes it right, but Chefe's wife is super whiny. Like, super whiny. (laughs) Like, like, basically, I think at some point, Chefe has to be like, shut up, baby. Like, over the the TV situation.
0: I feel like I have to go back and watch it because I don't, like, remember a whole lot of season three, which I know is wrong. But, like, I even, like, I wrote an article ranking all of the seasons of Narcos, and I put season three, like, on the bottom. Just because yes. like, I wasn't as in, I wasn't as into it as all the others, so I have to like go back and
1: like look all of that over again. Yeah, you do. Oh. <laughs>
2: yes,
1: you want um, you always give me homework. I'm giving you homework. Watch more Chepe. I mean season three.
0: Okay, but it's not like you've really watched Narcos Mexico. And Narcos Mexico season two comes out in two weeks. And our man, Scoot McNary, is stepping out of the narrator role and into the spotlight. Oh so Scoot. <laughs> um, but I do love the scene of Chefe at the salon with the Dominicans. And I do feel very, very bad for those women. But um let's move on to the next one. I will get the next one. Um let's see. I'm like, what do I want to do? But, uh, okay, so I'm going to do, this is, like, a bad scene, right? But I feel like if you're going to talk about, like, top scenes in Narcos, you have to talk about this scene, right? And I will say that I was very ignorant. Like, again, me growing up, like, in America, I didn't know a whole lot about Pablo Escobar other than just his name and that he was, like, a drug trafficker, right? So, to me, like, this show really was very educational. Um, So, remember there's the scene where Pablo gets that young guy to go on a plane and he's like, you're going to record, you're going to record, like, these two businessmen. And when the kid, like, opens up the the box and he presses the button it is a bomb and it blows up the plane but you're sitting there and you're like you know this obviously is a dramatization and made up for the show because no way did this actually happen because like I feel like we would have known about it right but then the very but then the very next episode they show real life footage like And Pablo really did blow up a plane full of, like, 170 people because he thought that the uh, presidential nominee was on the plane. And because that presidential nominee um, wanted to extradite him to America, he thought, okay, I'm going to get rid of this guy. And it was just, like, a huge, intense scene to watch that, you know, all these poor, unsuspecting people. And also the kid. You know, because the kid didn't know that that's what was going to happen. He thought that he was just going there to record audio for Pablo. did he have a family, too? He had a family, and he was so excited because he was like, oh, because he had a young wife and he had a kid. And he was like, this is going to set us up. Um, And instead, not only does Pablo have him killed, right, because of blowing up the plane. But then he also orders the execution of the wife and the child, which that child is the child that Murphy and his wife end up adopting because the mother does get killed. Um, And it's terrible. So, and I know this is, like, not a happy scene. It's not necessarily a nice scene. But I feel like if you're talking about top scenes in Narcos, you have to talk about it. Because to me, of someone who knew nothing about this, that was shocking. So, what do you think about the airplane scene? Oh, and also really quick before I go to you, you know, we see that the presidential nominee, um, uh, I forget his first name, but Davida is the last name, that he was going to go on that plane. And Murphy pretty much was there, like, begging him, like, I have a gut feeling, don't get on this plane. And he's like, you know, I can't be afraid, I can't be, you know, intimidated, you know, I'm gonna go on this. There's no real concrete. Right? But like, you know, uh is like, oh there's no concrete evidence that something's gonna happen. And Murphy's just saying they're like, you know, I have my gut feeling. Please like just go with it. And they decide, okay, you know what, Agent Murphy, like I'll I'll do this if this is what you're saying. Um, and thank God he did. Thank God he listened for Murphy because he would be dead. But yeah, Brittany, so I'm sorry. Um, what do you think about the airplane scene?
1: Well, that's what I think got me the most about that scene is I, at this point, and I know it sounds bad, Pablo's almost redeemable at this point. Like, okay, yes, he's going back to the poor. Yes, he's giving back to the infrastructure. Yes, you yeah, know, there's drugs. But ultimately, has he done anything too evil, right? Has he let himself snowball into something else or is his intentions still good? But for me, that was such an act of, like, absolute, like, evil, of, like, where it's not just, oh, i got to kill this guy. He murdered a plane full of people. So to me, it was, like, almost shocking, like, okay, this dude's bad. This dude isn't just some, like just drug pin that like wants money and wants to make a name for himself. Like this is a guy willing to do anything. And I think it really sets the scene to go, Oh my God, he's he's a bad guy. He's awful. But it is sad that there's like weren't there children on that plane too? Like like it was a commercial plane. It was a
0: commercial flight. So like any other flight that you would take, that was it. It wasn't Full of a bunch of politicians or anything, it was just regular civilians. And what's crazy is that after that, Pablo's like telling his kids, like, your father did nothing wrong. And it's like, come on, dude. Like, how do you sit there? And what's crazy is like, this is the start of me really disliking um, Pablo Escobar's mother, because the mother like goes to Tasa, uh, Pablo's wife, and she's like oh, you know, no way Pablo was involved in that. And is like, of course he was. Like, how delusional was the mother? She never thought that Pablo did anything wrong.
1: I think even she was that way with, like, him hiding the money. Like, I think she had to yeah. kind of, like, like, oh, I don't know where this money came from. And it's like, bitch, please. Bitch, she. Please. No, but she was involved because I went back and looked.
0: And she was literally, like, making a jacket for the lion to smuggle coke, you know, from Colombia into white, wow, white white plants into America. So it's like, she was involved, and I'm sorry that bitch should have been in prison too for involvement in drug trafficking. I hated her. By the end of the the second season, I was like, I don't like you at all. Like, Tasa, at least, like, even though Tasa was, like, in love with Pablo, and supportive like Tata at least like wasn't delusional and I think she as time went on saw like that things were getting bad and things needed to be done but of course you know she had to be the dutiful wife and she did legitimately love Pablo and then also had like Pablo's bitch-ass mother like you know always go Tata you know you have to be more supportive of Pablo and I'm like Their house is constantly getting raided and they're constantly having to escape and at some point Toph's brother gets fucking killed in front of her eyes, so shut up. And her daughter ends up becoming deaf in one ear because of, like, uh, invasion and everything. So, yeah. I know that has nothing to do with this. I know this has nothing to do with the plane scene, but, like, I get real
1: riled up when I think about the mother. (laughs) Right. I think it's because, like, those kinds of characters i don't know why i don't ever find those characters likable i mean i guess that's kind of the point of them even though it's real life it's just very like when there's a female character that feels like they have to be just as bad and evil as the guys to be taken seriously like it's like a competition to see who can be more loyal and i'm like that's kind of gross
0: Yeah, I mean, she's, like, telling Tata, like, just to pretty much, like, be loyal to your man. Stop questioning, you know. He's under a lot of stress. And I'm, like, this is Tata's life, too, you know. And I don't know a whole lot of, like, what happened to the real Tata. Like, I think they had to, like, escape to Venezuela or something like that. Because once Pablo was killed, like, the Kali cartel wanted her dead. They wanted everything she had. Like, I don't know if you remember the end of season two. But once Pablo's dead, like Tasa goes to the Rodriguez brothers and she's like, oh, you know, Pablo said that if anything ever happened to him, you know, to go to you because even though you guys had bad blood, like you would be sympathetic. And like, no fucking Gilberto wasn't sympathetic. He's like, you know, we just went into this huge war with each other. Pablo like blew up my daughter's like wedding or something or my niece's wedding. And he literally is like, oh, Tata, do you have Pablo's money? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, good, because I want everything. And then you better run. Oh, no. Like, he literally says to her, like, I want everything, and then you better run. And I think, like, the real Tata and her family had to, like, escape to, like, Venezuela or something. So, you know, Tata had a right to be concerned. But anyway, uh, <laughs> that's my huge deal there. Uh, Brittany, what is your number four?
1: Let me see. Hmm. I like,
0: by the way, my whole thing is that I like kind of getting through the first half because I know that's going to be our, like, lighter moment and giving us more time in the second half for the, like, last hour so that we can really, like, get into, like, the big moments because now I know that we're, like, we saved them up. Oh, I know. That's
1: kind of like how it's a lot chipping. Uh, by the way, you know how uh, we always talk about things afterwards? Uh, mine's yeah. Jeff A. Mine's like a hundred million dollars <laughs> Jeff A. I just needed you to know that. Like, if there was I'm doubt in your mind, then honestly, you have problems.
2: <laughs>
1: I love it. I love it. But, um, oh, what was going to say? I think I gonna go with Pablo uh, screwing the reporter. And that scene is the one where, and I know it's, like, a smaller scene, too, but it's so telling when he's sleeping with the reporter lady, and they're like, "Uh, were they in a vehicle? Were they in the van? I'm trying to think. I think it was, like, it wasn't in a house, but they're screwing, and, like, the lady is very, like, what was she saying about, uh, what was the, like, what's his wife's name again? Tasha. Tata. And, like, what does she say about Tata? Like, like says something like, basically wants to be better than her. Like, she would very much, like, if he was like, oh, I'll leave my wife for you, she would be all over that. But, like, whenever, like, you see Pablo get so angry because you realize, yes, he's evil, but he loves Tata. And even though he's cheating on his wife, this means nothing to him. And how angry he gets with her. He's like, he grabs her neck and he's like, you don't disrespect Tata. And like her when she's like, oh, I'm sorry. And I'm like, Ooh, my skin's crawling. And it's such a good scene though, because it is kind of terrifying. <laughs> just how like how he flips so quickly, even though they, you know, they're having sex. It's a very, should be a lighthearted moment. It should be more of a passionate scene, but just see him flip so easily when it has to do with his wife, was very telling. Like, there is a thing about evil men and their wives that just is always an interesting dynamic. Because even Stalin, like, for as evil as he is, like, was saying how, like, oh, the only love that existed in his life was, like, his, I think, his first wife. Like, he remarried, but it was his first wife. So to see it, like, with Pablo, it's like, what's up with these evil men that are like, oh, yeah, I hate everything except for my wife. But even though I'm cheating on her and putting her through all of this shit. Um, The reporter totally wanted to be with Pablo
0: because she asked, like, at least four times within the series, what about us? Like, every time she's like, so what about us? But what about me? So what's going to happen? And he's pretty much like, and he does say at some point, he's like, I don't have time for that pussy shit. (laughs) Like, But um, (laughs) what happens in that moment is they're fucking, like, somewhere, not in a car, because they're fucking standing up. Because she said to him, does your wife screw standing up like this? And that's when he's like, don't you ever disrespect Papa. And, like, you know, she's yeah. like, oh, I'm so sorry, Pablo. But um, what's crazy about that is, like, you know, the reporter, Valeria, I think her name is, um, does it make it, like, very obvious that, like, they're not screwing because at that point Pablo is running for, uh, he wants to be a politician, right? And uh, Valeria is helping him with his campaign and obviously Pablo's bringing Tassa to the campaign. But, like, you know, anytime Valeria gets a chance, she, like, tries to interject herself in front of Pablo. So, at this point, Tata is pregnant and so she's, like, puking in a toilet and Pablo's, like, trying to console her. And Tata goes, when you win, don't ever disrespect me with that bitch again. <laughs> like, so
1: Tata oh. is definitely, like, fully aware. <laughs> I love that like, she is aware. Like, it shows that she's not naive about it. No, and that's the
0: thing is I never thought that Tata was naive. I just think that she loved Pablo so much that she, like, you know, stuck by him, but she definitely wasn't naive in, like, things that were happening. But, yeah, you know kind of why, though, I love that scene that you said where Pablo's screwing the reporter? I love it because, like, that whole entire scene is, like, a 15 minute fest, pretty much, because you, I don't know of if you course remember. Of
1: love it for that reason, of course. <laughs> but, no, it's just, but it's,
0: like, the way they edited that, right? They couldn't have spread it out. Like, they, like, blatantly, like, had, like, three sex scenes, like, one after the other. You had Pablo and Valeria. Then right after you had Peña and this, um, like, one of his confidential informants. And then right after that, you had Murphy and his wife. And it's like, they made no, like, effort to try and separate that. Like, oh, let's, you know, they spread it out with the <laughs> <laughs> they were
2: just like, sex, sex, sex. So I was just like, Oh my god, I gotta take a break <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> Oh no, my person I was just saying, like I was just laughing, I was like, This is that's why I say it's like the three scene like fucks us because it's like they again just didn't even like try to make it like I don't know, but um it is interesting the dynamic that Pablo has with Valeria because it's like they're screwing and she continuously tries to ask Pablo, like, what about us? And he's, like, so – he tells her, get out of my face with that pussy shit. He says to her that you're a bandit as well, so stop asking, like, a little, like, flower or something like that. And what's crazy Ooh. is that – and what's crazy is towards the end, when Pablo's on the run and Tata is in protective custody – Valeria, like, Tata reaches out to Valeria for help, um, even though she doesn't like her. And then, remember, the Kali cartel team up with um, Yudi Mancaro, who is, like, the wife of the guy that Pablo murdered, who was a former, like, member of his own cartel. And then they also team up with those uh, paramilitary people to form Los Pepes. And Los Pepes don't give a shit. They are, like, killing everyone. And they kill Valeria because they're, like, you helped Pablo Escobar and you aided in a lot of what he did throughout the year. So we're going to kill shit. If If you think about it, Valeria definitely had a role in some crazy shit because remember when Pablo had a bunch of, like, those politician kids kidnapped? Um, pretty much Valeria is the one who says, like, oh, I don't like this other reporter because, you know, she gets better ratings than me, and the only reason why she's so popular is because she's the daughter of the former president, and that's when Pablo's like, oh, okay, then I'm going to kidnap her. And I don't think that Pablo would have kidnapped her if it weren't for Valeria pretty much, like, saying, like, oh, this will make me happy if you do so.
1: Man, he why Why did we get, like, a love triangle thrown into this shit? It was wild enough without it, but I guess it's just real life. Work, huh?
0: I guess so. I guess so. But I do love it. I do love it because um, going back to your initial scene, it is that, like, dominance, and that scene is very intense because you don't know in that scene if Pablo is actually going to hurt her. Because Valeria's like, Oh, I'm so sorry, you know, like but she's trying to be like all central and like blah blah but you see like Paula's really trying to not be angry as shit there.
1: Like I don't like get back into the rhythm of it afterwards, but you can tell like it takes him a second. Because she literally asks him if he if he wants to fuck her in the ass. And I guess in that moment oh. he's
0: like, Oh, alright, alright
1: then. <laughs> Man, this is not a PG stream. I don't stream. Um, I've been streaming too much. You're the, you're the
0: you're the streamer. on the podcaster, okay? Um, but no. Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> <not> a
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just think it's crazy. But as you said, it does take him a second because he, like, it was intense. I'm telling you, when I first watched, it, I'm like, is he gonna kill her or something? Because she said something about
1: Taha. Because he looked like it. He looked like he was ready. Man, and I think it's, like, it's still so weird that someone can be so bad but so protective of their wife.
0: I know. That's something that, like, Paulie always points out when we watch it. He's just like, you're disrespecting Tata. But I guess when you're a narco-trafika, you are a narco trafficker, you do not see it that way. It's like, okay, Pablo, you are very confusing. You think that you're a saint, but you're, like, the worst.
1: <laughs> you think you're a saint, but you're a
0: sinner. I wanted to say that but then I was like, Am I too cheesy for saying that
1: <laughs> That's why I will take all cheesy phrases. Thank you,
0: thank you. But um let's move on. I'll do my number three and it is probably one of again, one of the craziest like scenes that I just love. But it is um I don't know if you remember this scene. It's the scene of Colonel Carrillo pushing both of those drug traffickers out of a helicopter or a plane. Oh,
1: shit. I, I had forgotten. So,
0: please continue.
1: <laughs> so, there's at some point where
0: um, at Colonel Carrillo, who was like, they describe him as, like, the one guy that Pablo was scared of, right? Because Colonel Carrillo, like, went at the traffickers hard he was incorruptible. He didn't accept any bribes. He was just fearless, right? Like, and he did a lot of questionable shit, but to him, he's just like, you got to fight fire with fire. So at some point, he captured two of the Sicarios, and he's going to go transport them, and Pena's like, no, I'm not going to go with you, and Murphy's like, okay, I will go with you. And they're up in the... And I, I forget if it was a helicopter or a small plane, but I think it was a helicopter. But anyway, they're up there, right? And Colonel Carrillo is, like, talking to one of them, and they're like, I don't know anything. I promise you. I don't know shit. And he's just like, oh, so you don't know anything, right? And he's, like, looking at the other guy, because I think it was the other guy, Gato, who was, like, the important one, right? Like, the one that, you know, would have the information. So fucking Carrillo literally shoves the other dude out of the plane while they're oh. in the sky. And you see Murphy try, like, Murphy jumps a little, like, to almost, like, try to catch him. But, like, you know that's not going to happen. So um, so at this point, so then at this point, obviously Gato sees that, like, Carrillo's willing to shove someone out of a plane. So Carrillo's like, so are you sure that you don't have anything to tell me, and Gasto pretty much like leans in and he's like, eat shit, you know. And you see Murphy like, kind of like, sigh because it's like, oh god, okay. And then Curio just kind of like looks at him and they're like having a stare off, and then Curio just shoves him out of the freaking plane. And it, and I never forgot that like the subtitle is like faint screaming. <laughs> <'Cause>, like... <laughs> Oh like oh my god so like literally Colonel Korea just shoved two people out of a plane while it's like however many feet in the air murphy is witnessing all of that and i like again this is like murphy who like wants to be involved but i don't think he's prepared cuz he can't even fathom the levels that like someone like korea would go to cuz um after that, you, like, see him on the phone with his wife, and he's, like, crying because that shit was intense. So, yeah, that's my uh, number three. What do you think?
1: I'm going to say really quick, uh, for, if, you know, to think of being his wife in this scenario, at this point, whatever happens to your day, you could be like, oh, so-and-so was so mean, and they, you know, did this, or, you know, the kids were like just out of hand, and he's like, "Yeah, baby, I love you. I understand, but I just watched two men get pushed out of a plane." And she's like, "Oh, I'm sure they were wearing parachutes. No, no, they were not. No, their their hands, distant.
0: their scenes are litter. Well, scenes. Their hands are literally handcuffed behind their back. <laughs> they're they're not living. <laughs> <laughs> What'd they
1: say walk it off, just walk it off."
0: <laughs> Steve Rogers would be like, just walk it all. But
1: yeah, no, I That's love terrifying that. And she goes, "Yes, they get pushed out of the plane. Obviously they're dead. That's a long time to be able to uh accept your fate that you are literally gonna hit the ground. And Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness, <laughs> it's just terrifying. I why am
0: I laughing? Why
2: am I laughing? Stop you it, it.
0: This is what you've you done can't. to me. You can't help it because you're, like, this is so outrageous. And I'll it, like, gets me that Murphy, like, initially, like, looks as if he's trying to, like, grab the guy. And it's, like, no, there's no, like, grabbing that person. But it's, like, I guess that, like, brief reaction because you're so shocked. But, again, that just, like, goes to show you, like, um, like what Carrillo is willing to do. Um, and I, can I say something, like, really quick, because it's a little off-topic, but, um, I loved, like, Colonel Carrillo, right, like, one of my favorite characters because of, like, how tough he was, but also, like, he was just a realist, and he, as, like, we said, like, he was incorruptible, right, like, while he did some very questionable shit, like, Pablo could never pay him off, right, like, he was never going to be like that, um, and, in Narcos, Mexico, they introduce a character that now I forget his name, but they call him the Comandante. so I'm just going to call him that. Um, and they call him, like, the Elliot Ness of Mexico. And he's, like, essentially, like, like Carrillo, like, willing to get his hands dirty, willing to, like, do shit. Like, there's at some point where they're trying to find uh, Kiki because Kiki's been, you know, kidnapped at this point. And... Uh, like, all of the DEA is pretty much, like, scrambling and caught up in, like, bureaucracy, bullcrap, paperwork, blah, 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 like, this one guy who was supposed to help him, like, uh, was talking about, you know, we need a warrant, you know, blah, 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 and, like, whatever, so then at this point, the commandante comes back, and they're like, oh, my God, you're back, you know, blah, 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 they're like, and he's like, let's go, let's go do this. And uh, Jaime, who's one of the DEA agents, is like, but what about a warrant? And Commodante's like, what's a warrant?
1: So you're like, oh, you think oh, like you know, this guy's,
0: you think this guy's gonna be badass. But then at the end, when he has the chance to like try to capture Felix, Felix offers him two million dollars, and the Commandante takes it.
1: And I'm just like, oh, no, no." you were supposed to be the chosen one. I mean, like,
0: it's a little more complicated, I guess, than that, because pretty much Felix explains, like, I have these tapes that are of the tortured uh, interrogation of Kiki, and on two of the tapes, it, like, has a bunch of names on it, like, including your bosses. And I pretty much, I feel like Felix was trying to say, like, you know if these tapes come out, they're going to know it's because of you, and you and your family are going to be, um, like, fucked and shit. So it's like, I'll give you the other five tapes that don't have the names on it and $2 million. But still, you're like, if that were Colonel Carrillo, he'd take the fucking chance. He'd be like, no, you're not going to bribe me. I'm still going to take you in. I'm still going to arrest you, and I'm going to take all those tapes. I don't give a shit, Right. So I feel like yeah. it was it was disappointing to see in Narcos Mexico that there's a character that you thought was going to be like Colonel Carrillo, and it wasn't. But I don't know why I had to mention that.
1: I was just thinking about hey, it because I love Colonel Carrillo one. so much. There's huh? only one Colonel Carrillo.
0: I know, and I hate it when he died so badly. But anyway, um. so yeah, my number three is Colonel Carrillo. Uh. Throwing those two assholes out of a fucking plane. It's like I just I like how you have to like, justify
1: it by calling them assholes. Like it's fine, it's, it's fine, fine that they had a horrific death. <laughs> they were bad people. Well, I was
0: just thinking about what you said with Murphy like being on the on uh on the phone with his wife, like baby. I know that you probably had a bad day, but I just saw two people get thrown
1: out of a plane. I had a worse day. <laughs> How would you even, like, how do you even go on with life at that point? Like, at that point, your your wife almost becomes, like, your full-on supporter because imagine having a job, taking care of your kids, and then taking care of a husband that had to deal with that shit. I would feel a little bit overwhelmed. I would be like, I need some mommy time. Well, I don't know if you remember, at
0: that point, the wife had went back to America. But she was done at this point. She was like, how much more can we take? You know, we have a kid now. Like, when can we go home? And Murphy's like, I'm not done yet. So she does go back to America at this point because she needs to get away from it. But after that, uh, when Murphy, like, talks to her about it, um, she does come back to Columbia to be the support system for him. But... Is
1: that something uh, about, like in real life, Murphy's wife never left, and she was, like, irritated by that part.
0: Yeah, no, I was just going to say that was, like, the one thing when they were interviewing, like, the real Agent Murphy, like, about inconsistencies that the show did, because he said, like, while, you know, the show for the most part was, like, incredibly accurate, obviously they have to take some sort of, like, creative liberties, and, you know, I guess just for drama, like, oh, make that little scuff, but he said, like, you know, my wife was like, I never left. Like, I never left you. I stayed in Columbia. And it's, and he had to be like, oh, you know, they have to do that for the drama, you know.
1: Like, I, I know you didn't leave. You <laughs> <He> probably <was laughs> like, They're I, making me look out like a bad wife. <laughs> I know. At that point I feel like, like, I don't blame her if she had left, but that would be hard. I feel like I literally put up with all this bullshit not for people to go, oh, well, she left. I can't believe she left. She's like, I didn't. I didn't. And also in real life, the real
0: Agent Murphy, um, they adopted two Colombian children, not one. But um, yeah, you know what? Kudos to the wives of these DEA agents in um, these shows. Because I'll tell you that Kiki's wife in Narcos, Mexico, she was like a saint. She needed to like be like given a medal of honor or something like that she was so good um, but yeah so that's my number three Brittany what is your number two I know that it's going to be about Chepe unless you surprise me
1: I want to know what the name Chepe means because you know how there's so many different name me- me- meanings but Chepe just sounds sexy I don't know why like Chepe. don't even judge me I'm about to look it up in a minute uh, mine's gonna be, and, and I almost have to like rework in my brain because I was trying to find exactly what happened in the scene again because I'm a little rusty. Basically, when he meets the journalist, because it turns out you know Chape, he lives in America. He's you know he goes to this diner all the time, but I think it's that he realizes that there's this guy watching him constantly. Well, after he Mm -hmm. kills the Dominicans, I think he, like, blows up a building uh, that had the rest of the Dominicans in it. Or maybe it was just that Salon basically causes a big-ass explosion to uh, kill off the people that that they were dealing with. And I think, too, there was that scene, but also the death of the Dominicans. I think it was, like, two separate things. And it's in the news. And I think it's, like, Chepe and his wife are watching TV, and it's, like, showing the explosion and, like, the death, and that they think it's tied to Chepe, and Chepe's just staring at the TV, and then when the TV comes on, I think the uh, guy that he realized was watching him... He he sees him on TV and he's going that motherfucker. I think that's what he literally says. Which that's where his wife leaves him with. I don't want to leave New York, and he's just like basically like shut up, baby. Please shut up, because he's got to go deal with this. But what gets me in that scene is that that journalist is still there. Like I think uh, at that point, if you're going to show your face, but you're still like undercover. Don't you think you would, like, take off work a little bit? Something not to tie in the fact that, hey, here's the face of the guy that's been watching you. Because uh, he ends up going I, – I don't know. Actually, I think he just ends up – the guy's, like, actually just going there to eat. But Chepe, like, sits across from him. Like, he doesn't hide from it. Chepe's like, oh, you know, basically, like, it's nice to see you now, like, to actually look at you – and just, like, the intimidation of it. I think he does end up killing that journalist there. But it's such an intense scene because you can see that, for as fun-loving as Chippe is, he will always cover his butt. He will always, like, he couldn't just let it go. Because, yes, he had already been outed. His face had already been outed. But it, at that point, it was a matter of principle to go stare the guy down in the face. Because I believe the journalist was, like, young and the and Chepay's like, you basically do not know what you've gotten yourself into, bucko. But I know I butchered that a little bit, because even though it's like my number one, but it's just hard to describe because there's so much that goes on in that scene, and it has been a while for me to watch this scene. But I just love Bay tracking down the journalist to be like, ha, I found you, mother effer. I
0: feel like I have to go back and watch it because I, like, vaguely remember this scene. But uh, tell me, and I know you're going to agree with me, but there were, like, way too little of scenes with chepe in Season 3. And there needs to have been so much more.
1: Well, I know. Like, I wish there was way more. Because that was the reason I even watched Season 3 because... I think you see him in season one or two and then I no. was like oh you don't see him there then how did oh I just saw. I remember what it was I watched at that clip of the salon and I was like who's this guy and you're like oh that's Cheppe and I was like oh I guess I have to watch Narcos now, and you're like, oh, he's only in season three, and I was like, well, here I go. Uh, where's that meme where it's like, oh, shit, here we go again. That was me. <laughs> that was me with the Chepe train. Choo-choo.
0: Yeah. um Chepe was only in season three of Narcos, and in one scene of Narcos Mexico, which I'll get into, but um, yeah, no, like, it sucks, because you... Have seen Pacho, who was one of the partners in the Cali Cartel in season one and season two. And then in season two, you had the Rodriguez brothers who were part of the Cali Cartel. But I guess the reason why you never really saw Chepe is because the other three are located in Colombia and Chepe is located in New York. But still, way, way, way
1: underutilized. Like, he was a great character. Uh, he and I'm trying to look back and see, because I know the guy was like Cuban-born, the the uh, journalist. Which yes, he was a U.S. journalist, uh, and anti-drug crusading editor of magazines, and but it said he was killed by uh, Alejandro Wilson Mijas-Velez. But I think that my, I think that was Chepe. I think Chepe was his nickname.
0: Yeah, O is definitely, like, uh, a nickname there, but um, I have to go back. If you find the episode, like, let me know. I'll go back and watch that scene because, I like, I just don't know why season three, to me, just didn't live up to say the previous two seasons because those are so good. Um, so I didn't, like really pay attention to season three, which I know sounds wrong because this whole entire show is the top ten moments from Narcos, but um, you know, I only really liked the Chepe scenes, and now that I look back on it and realizing that Carrie Beach, the woman who played Donna Clark in Halt and Catch Fire was in the third season, and I'm like, I just like her. She's so beautiful, um, but anyway, yeah. I I love that all your scenes are Chepe. I have a feeling that we're gonna have our honorable mentions, and you're just gonna be like Chepe, 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 Chepe.
1: <laughs> I know. Which, by the way, really sorry for butchering that, but I forgot like how much went into that scene because it's like a, actually a pretty long scene. But I just love Chepe like uh, facing the guy, like confronting him after realizing exactly who he was.
0: I feel like you and I like those type of scenes because even when we, like, write stories together, we always kind of include that, like, confrontation at a diner scene. Like, tell me I'm wrong here.
1: (laughs) No, you're not wrong. Because I feel like it's such a quintessential, like, New York thing to have diners like that because, like, I live in Arkansas. You want, like, where I live, you want food? Well, there's a Mexican restaurant over here, but we also have McDonald's over here. But nowhere except for, like, that one place that you said reminds you of, uh, of the Dynasty. 17. That's the only, like, diner-diner we have here.
0: Triangle Cafe.
1: Um, But, Brittany, I love your
0: uh, number two um because Chet is just amazing, um, we are down to the number one uh, scene of our top ten moments from Netflix's Narcos. I'm going to go through what we've already done. Uh, the top, uh, the number ten is the cat scene. Number nine is Amado and Rafa confronting each other. Number eight is Pablo hiding his money. Number seven is Steve shooting the guy's car. Number six is Chefe at the Dominican Salon. Number five is the airplane explosion scene. Number four is Pablo screwing the reporter. Number three is Carrillo throwing Sasso out of the plane. Number two is Chepe confronting the journalist. And number one is from Narcos, Mexico. And I'm going to set up the scene for you, right? So, okay. the first few episodes. The first few episodes of the show is Felix Gaerda in the weed business, right? And business is booming. Business is good. Rafa has made a new strain of pot that is better and, you know, yada, yada, yada. So they've been good, right? Well, at some point, Felix discovers that, you know, while business is good, um, the real you know, drug that you should get involved with is Colombian cocaine. And this woman, Isabella, who's one of his associates, says that she can make the connection. She can make the introduction, I mean, right? And he goes, so Felix goes down to Colombia. He meets with the Cali cartel. He meets with Miguel, Pacho, and Chefe. And everything looks good. Like, they've made a deal. They're good. Uh, Felix and Isabella are walking towards the airplane um, to go back to Mexico, and then suddenly the, a car pulls up and literally grabs both of them and tosses them into the car. And they're like, "What's going on?" And you see Blackie from the first two seasons of Narcos, and he's like, "We're going to Medellin to see the boss." So they bring them to. They bring them to. Uh, what we discover is Pablo's place. They tell Felix to wait by the water, and then Felix is, like, I just love this scene so much, I'm sorry for, like, detailing it so much, but I love Felix's yeah, good. Looking. Felix is looking out in the water, and he sees something, like, moving, and then suddenly you hear Pablo's voice go hippos, and you just see Pablo coming out of, like, the darkness, and it's so intimidating, right? Uh. And he's just and pretty much Pablo has this whole discussion with Felix where he's just like, So you came down to Cali? Like, I mean, you came down to Columbia. Why? And, Felix, and you know, he says, Like, like I'm going to give you an opportunity to be honest because you should be honest. And Felix is like, I came down to make a business arrangement with the Cali cartel. And Pablo's like, Well, why not me? And he's like, And Felix is like, Well, I heard that you were emotional right, and uh, so pretty much, like, and pretty much Pablo's, like, so they pretty much had this discussion where, like, Felix is, like, if we're going to be honest, like, this is probably going to put you out of business, and Pablo has this line where he's, like, he goes, I could feed you to the hippos. He's, like, I don't like Mexicans if I'm being honest, and fucking so Pablo, like, has uh, this long, Pablo has this long speech to Felix about how, you know, uh, like, weed is illegal right now, but it's going to be legal, but cocaine will never be legal, so it's a different beast, you know, if you're prepared to get into this, he's like, you're going to also take some of my cocaine. He's like, for every one of Kali's loads, you're going to take one of my loads, and he says, and brother, if one of those loads happens to fall off, it better be theirs. Um, mm. And so... So, and then, so, the one my favorite thing is as they're like they made their deal Pablo's about to walk away and Felix is like would you really have fed me to your hippos and Pablo goes no hippos don't like Mexicans either and walks away and I'm just like oh my god this scene was so like intense but then also had like that little bit of humor to it and it was just so great to see, like, Wagner more up back as Pablo. But, um, and also, one last thing before I toss it over to you is that it does, like, reveal a lot about Felix as well because Pablo asks him, like, you know, what's your real reason for wanting to do this? Because whenever someone else asks him, like, why are you wanting to get into the cocaine business, Felix always says, oh, if I don't do it, someone else will. And he tries to give that answer to Pablo. And Pablo's like, don't come at me with that bullshit. And Felix has this story about how he lost his first wife to leukemia, and that he has you have to be in control of life or else life will pretty much fuck you. So I just love that scene between Felix and Pablo. And it makes me, like, really hope that we see Pablo again in the second season of Narcos, even though I'm not sure that that would be possible. But, yeah, so... I'm sorry for this long-winded detail of this scene, but my number one is going to be Pablo and Felix meeting in the first season of Narcos Mexico.
1: No, I I love that scene because it is very telling, like you said, where it is kind of funny to see uh, Pablo in a more, like, comedic fashion. Like, you can go, okay, because when I first watched that scene, I was like, he's totally going to kill this guy. Why did Tia send me this scene? just because the funniness would be hippo. But when you're realizing, when he says, um, I felt like Pablo was that kid that uh, he's like the cool kid, and then suddenly somebody said, you can't sit at my table. And he's like, I will literally watch the table burn rather than be <laughs> left out of this table. But, um, no, I, I it is interesting. That would be terrifying because you're literally face-to-face with a man that he obviously has no qualms with killing. He'd kill, like, a whole plane full of innocent people. It's like, do you think he really has much stipulations killing you? Like, he would, yeah, he would probably most definitely feed you to the hippos. Which, by the way, hippos are terrifying in their own right. Pablo is a hippo in its own right. He, he looks well, unassuming, he, but he'll literally chase you down. He says that to Felix, he's like, hippos,
0: you know, look a certain way, like, they're uh, fat, bald, like a baby, but their teeth, you know, will literally crush you, you know. Like, he has this whole speech to Felix about the fucking hippos, (laughs) Um, and it's just so great because, again, like, it is terrifying, like, Felix and Isabella are, like, walking towards the plane as if, you know, like, everything's good, and then suddenly they just get kidnapped. Um, by Pablo's men who are just like so gleeful like they look like the, last, the guy Blackie is like we're going to Medellin <laughs> we're
2: going to go see the boss <laughs> like <laughs> you're
1: going to Pirates of the Caribbean with like the pirates being so gleeful over them. you're going to meet the captain and you're like yeah. oh, <laughs> <happen."> <laughs> oh my
0: god it's like crazy and I felt like so bad Right? Because, like, Isabella just looks like she's about to, like, shit brick. Because she's like, oh my god, what is going on with this whole thing? I was just here just to make an introduction to the Kali people, and now we've gotten fucking hijacked by Pablo Escobar.
1: They're like, they're like, uh, Toto, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. <laughs>
0: Oh my God, it's so crazy. Like, but obviously, everything, uh, you know, goes well. Felix ends up in the cocaine industry and is doing, you know, bringing in more money than ever as a result. So, um, in, I don't know if you watched the trailer for Narcos Mexico season two, but they obviously show Pacho at some point. So, There is obviously another Colombian connection in the second season. So that's why I was like, are we going to see Pablo again? (laughs) I just want to see, I just want to see Chepe. Oh my God. I know that was the great thing about seeing him in that scene in Narcos Mexico when they're like all there sitting and Chepe is just like, make the deal already. I want to take her dancing. (laughs) And it's like, um, the whole thing was like the,
1: gravelly voice.
0: the whole thing was uh, prior to that when Isabella is saying like she's going to make the connections she at first like introduces Felix to this other guy who's like the first like line of introductions and they're still in Mexico at this point and the guy I forget his name says to Felix like oh if I were you I would bring Isabella with me because Colombian's like a round ass and I'm like Poor Isabella is, like, all she wants, like, is a seat at the table, and everyone just keeps, like,
1: treating her as if she's just a piece of meat. And I'm like, poor, poor Isabella. That's just how I feel about it. I know. And she's obviously clever and smart enough to be setting up all of this stuff.
0: Oh, yeah. No, she definitely, like, she's uh she's definitely underestimated, I feel like, um which will... I feel like bite Felix in the ass in the second season. But, yeah, that is our list. Um, we have some time left, Brittany. So did you have any honorable mentions that you wanted to kind of put out there?
1: I'm trying to sit and think. Because I kind of touched on all, most of my Chepe stuff.
2: <laughs> and I was trying to
1: sit there and think, was there anything else with Chepe that I loved Uh, more of like less of that salon scene that I really did love though, is that just him like trying to talk like a dad to these basically kids. He's about to kill. I don't know. I know I'm touching on that again, but it is so terrifying that a lot of these characters can be so calm and almost funny because even Chippe after he kills those people, he messes with his hair in the mirror. And I'm like, you jerk.
0: I like um, Chepe's relationship with Pacho because it's clear that he, like, almost takes him under his wing. Like, maybe not so much in, like, a father-son capacity, but, like, a big brother almost, like, well. But I had a few honorable mentions, and that would be uh, the scene where, and I'll go through them quickly, where Steve, um, remember when him and Pena – are in the truck and trying to tell the guy that he's going to have to take pictures of what's going on in there. And the guy's like nervous and the like, Oh, you know, because Pablo Escobar is his boss. And Steve like acts like he's consoling the guy by patting his shoulder, but then starts choking him. And he's like, says in Spanish, like I am your boss.
1: Oh, shit. okay. Daddy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, and then oh, I I liked, I liked Pacho um, kidnapping Murphy, if you remember that one, like Pacho like kidnapped Murphy, and he's like talking to him and he's like, oh, I made you a daiquiri. And they're having this really intense standoff where Steve's like, you know, as soon as we're done, like taking down Escobar, we're coming for you next. And Tasha just kind of looks at him so smug, and he's like, you didn't try your daiquiri. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <He's> shit. Like... <laughs> uh, and one last one is that I liked uh, Carrillo killing Gustavo, even though we liked Gustavo. It
2: I still is a pretty
0: Gustavo. I like Gustavo, too. But that scene was so good because, like, he Curiel was having his men beat the shit out of Gustavo, and he was like, you know, just give up where your cousin is. And Gustavo was just like, we are bandits, eat shit. And Curiel's like, all right, then. And then he like literally has his men beat the sh- like beat Gustavo to death. And Curiel's like, you know, we're gonna say that he died in a shootout or something. And his like you know, whatever, one of his soldiers is, like, the colonel, like, there's no gunshots in him. And Creo just takes out his fucking gun and just shoots Gustavo's body a shit ton of times. And he's like,
1: there. We're good
0: now. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: I, like, I don't like how, like, just basically like, do I have to do everything myself? And it's like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much Creo's like, whole thing. Like, do I
0: have to do all of this myself? But we see that Curio like, has, like, a softer side. I was just looking at the scene where, like, he's out to, like, lunch with his wife. And she's like, oh, finally, a romantic date. And he's, like, you know, like, all lovey-dovey with her and shit. And he's like, I remember when we were young and you and I would go out and your father would be watching us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What a romantic.
0: Right, like I don't know, I loved it, but I absolutely love Narcos like so much. It's to me like one of like Netflix's best shows, and I honestly cannot wait for the second season to come out in a
1: couple of weeks. And the fact that's that you're a Scoop Sand girl, huh? So that's only because you're a scoot Sand girl.
0: Did I ever tell I had to have told you this, right? Because, you know, I was a, a Narcos fan like since the first season, right? And when they came and when they first came out with Narcos Mexico back in two thousand and eighteen, I watched it. But um with the first three seasons, whoever the narrator was, like, we knew who the person was, right? Like the first season starts off with like Steve Murphy going, I'm D. E. A., you know, Agent Murphy, pretty much. And then in the third season, Javier Pena is the uh, narrator. So in Narcos, Mexico, it starts off with this voice that, like, you never see on screen because it's not Kiki. Like, you would have thought that, like, oh, like, Kiki's the main character. It's going to be Kiki. It wasn't. And I remember, like, so curious. I'm like, who the fuck is the narrator of this series? And I looked it up. And it was, like, Scoot McNary. And at the time, I didn't know who he was, so I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Um, But for – sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I'm just laughing. Like, uh, for one, who who names their child Scoot? And on the other hand, it's like, who is this guy and why do I not care about him? And then you saw him and was like, oh, God. Oh, no, he's hot. <laughs> Pretty much. I was like, oh my god,
0: <laughs> this guy is uh, the narrator for Narcos Mexico. I'm suddenly so much more invested. But anyway, um for those who don't know, uh, Scoot McNary was the narrator for season one of Narcos Mexico and now will be one of the main characters in the second season. And he will be playing DEA agent Walt Breslin, who is the first time that the narrator and main character is not a real uh, person but ra- like there there's never been a Walt Russland. and the only thing close to this was that Colonel like Colonel Curio there was no one called Colonel Curio but they did have a person who was similar they just decided to give it a, give the guy a different name so that they could like make him more intense than he was but Walt Breslin okay. is supposed to be pretty much like the symbol of the type of agent that went down there after Kiki's death in revenge. And we do know that it was quite bloody because that Operation Leenda was the whole reason why in Narcos, you know, Pena says that there, is a, there are huge consequences to killing a DEA agent because of what happened after Kiki. So we obviously know shit's going to go down.
1: Um, Kiki died have- for
0: Yeah, exactly. Died for all of the DEA's sins. But uh, while we have a little bit of time, Brittany, what did you think about the trailer for the second season of Narcos Mexico? And what are you looking forward to in uh, in this next
1: season? Well, I was gonna say what I thought about it most is that you know we had gotten to see Walt like a little bit because obviously Walt's gonna be the big hitting person for this series, right? Of being Mm -hmm. the agent but i don't cuz we had talked about Walter I didn't realize he was coming in like a freaking wrecking ball like i should have <laughs> because yes it's after kiki but i was like i don't know what i expected but it wasn't like kidnapping someone and beating the shit out of them to interrogate them type shit like they have like full uh permission from the government to just do whatever they want and that's absolutely terrifying but I was going to say, my hopes for it was just that, okay, I hope Walt's in it a lot. Like, I'm just invested in Walt at this moment. I want to see Kiki get avenged. But I also, my hopes and dreams is that Chepe will be there somewhere. <laughs> just let Chepe well, be there. It's fine.
0: Well, you know that I'll be, like, watching it the first day it comes out. So I'll let you know if Cheppe is in it at all. But... Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, I'm now super invested in Walt's, like, story and how he's going to uh, look to take down Felix's operation. Um, Paulie and I did, like, a little bit of, like, watching the Guadalajara cartel, like, a while ago. And so Felix's whole thing is that he united all of the plazas, but eventually, because Felix is, has put everyone in the situation that he has, everyone slowly starts betraying him, so we're going to see that in season two, so that's going to be interesting, and Amato, who is, at this point is pretty much like the, la- not the lackey, you know, but like, he's not a boss at this point, right? He works for yeah. Felix, but it, the real Amato went on to be the boss of the Juarez cartel, and in the third season of Narcos, he even is talking to Paco, like, hey, like, why don't you just come and join my cartel, right? So that's going to be interesting to see if, like, you know, they're going to show that. Um, it's just, like, it, I, you know what, I really, like, want this, like, avengement for, and I don't know if that's in the word, avengement, but uh, for Kiki, because, like, looking back and watching the first season of Narcos Mexico, um, I like felt really sad for Kiki because again, like Michael Pena is so likable, and I noticed something. And I know I'm like talking your ear off at this point, but I noticed no, something going back, going back and watching it. Um, and I pointed out that throughout the season, like you, like the first season, I feel like was like a love letter to the real Kiki, because throughout it. You have people, like, constantly telling Kiki, like, you've done enough. Like, almost, like, telling him, like, you, like, really, like, helped us, you know? Because, like, his wife tells him, like, his workers, like, tell him, they always are constantly saying, like, you did enough, Kiki. And I don't know, like, there was something, like, about hearing that that was, like, really, like, sweet, but then also really okay. sad.
1: <laughs> it was almost like they were just even trying to say it, you know, past the grave, like, you did enough. And I'm like, oh no, it's sad. I came here for badassness, not for sadness. And it's like, well, guess what, buddy? You're getting both. (laughs) You're getting both. I'm just really excited for the second season of Narcos Mexico
0: now, just because like it looks like there's so much at stake. Um, And again, since we see Pacho, it's like, what? What is Pacho doing here? Like, why is Pacho in this? And it's like, is there going to be more Chefe? I'm invested for you, Brittany. Like, I hope you thank get you, your chefe. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I got so little of them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is all it's I just, wanted in this world. It
0: does suck that, like, they both died in the third season. How did you say that
1: Chefe died again? Chefe goes to, like, I can't remember what country he goes there to try to strike a deal, and they basically are like, yeah, sure, and then they kill him.
2: Oh shit!
1: <laughs> yeah, like it's a very short scene. There's still like epicness to it. He just gets shot, making a dumb move. Oh shit! That
0: he does deserves- not- <laughs> I mean, I guess that's like the beauty of Narcos Mexico is that it takes place beforehand, so all these people are still alive at this point. I'm just gonna pretend nothing happened. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could put your head in the sand like that, but unfortunately, it's it's, it's not it's not a reality.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna need you to stop talking. <laughs> You know I
0: write. You know I write. I feel like I've said that a time or two in my life. Listen, girl, girly, wagging my finger at you. Right? <laughs> but, okay, um, mom. Well, you know, uh, we did a fantastic job going over the top ten moments from Netflix's Narcos. I feel like it was just fun to kind of live in this world for a little bit because I would never want to really live in the Narcos world. I just want to watch it. But, um, yeah, so everyone who is listening, the second season of Narcos Mexico comes out February 13th. That's, like, two weeks away from now. I am so utterly pumped. Um, And I'd like to know what you guys are looking forward to with this. But Brittany, while we have a little bit of time left, tell us where we can find you, what we can look forward for,
1: and uh plug your shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why that made me think of a game show where it's like, oh, spin that wheel. Like, so it's like, choose your fate. <laughs> I was like, okay. Okay. Uh, basically you can always find me at twitch dot d at blah, 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 twitch uh, <laughs> slash itty bitty Brit uh, which is funny everybody always thinks I'm British until they click on me and they're like wait a second you're not British and I'm like no uh, you thought I was something but I'm doggo but no it it is funny I have a great time with it I've been streaming Dark souls which is an extremely hard game but weirdly very uh feel very accomplished every time you beat a boss. Uh, just bought a second webcam. It's so that when I'm streaming, people can watch the cats while I'm doing it, but also so that uh, they call it a kitty cam. But also, uh, I started making these little perler bead arts, and uh, a lot of my uh, viewers were like, I just want to watch you make these, so it would be really therapeutic. I was like, you know what? Okay, I'll get a second cam for it. But you can also find me at Twitter uh, on uh, on Twitter at ittybittybrit0 because you know name was taken, so I had to make do. But uh, been posting a lot of pictures of the art fair, when I'm going live, what I've been up to, some silly memes. So if you like that sort of thing, that's a good place to find me.
0: I I always love the explanation as to why you chose the username that you did but yes please everyone make sure that you show brittany your full support because she is really just bringing awesome content to everyone and please make sure that you follow me on all of my social media accounts instagram um facebook uh twitter vero all of that good stuff. It's TFAB or TC Stark is the username, so you can find me easily there. Also, follow us, Geek Vibes Nation, at all of the following uh, freaking, I can't even talk, the social media that I just said Facebook, Instagram, but Twitter, Vero. We got a lot of awesome things. We have a lot of awesome content articles and podcasts. Obviously, my top ten is the most important one of all. No, I'm kidding. But we also have Peach Against the Grain, Keep Five Live. We got plenty of awesome stuff. And we also have our, I like to say, our sister and brother podcast, such as Scene and Nerd, They Call This a Movie, and Cape and Castle. Just awesome stuff, really amazing people that we work with. And, yeah, so please make sure that once we post this up that you like it, share it, and let us know what your top moments from Narcos Mexico and Narcos are because we love the show. Brittany, thank you for being up this early and just obsessing with me. And I hope
1: everyone has a great day. Have a great day, everyone. Have fun with Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, yeah, that thing. <laughs> <laughs>